and welcome to the rhubarb episode of the Next Ingredient Podcast. I'm your host, Mara Lee. In this episode, we're going to explore the wonderful world of rhubarb and talk to guests who love it for its flavor as well as its non-edible uses. Although I grew up familiar with rhubarb because it was one of the few things that grew and survived year to year in our yard when I was growing up, I know it's an ingredient that isn't familiar to everyone. Hopefully this episode gives you a good idea of what it's like and inspires you to try something rhubarb related or even plant it in your yard. Our first guest is Caitlin Chakala, who has a childhood story of rhubarb full of deliciousness and danger. Enjoy! Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Mara. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm really happy to be talking to you today and excited to talk about rhubarb because we both like rhubarb a lot. <laughs> Love rhubarb. <laughs> yeah, um, so... I just introduced you a little bit. Um, I've known Caitlin for a few years, actually yeah. now. It's actually been a while. Yeah. And we've, <laughs> we've worked together. And it, um, Caitlin's a really amazing pastry chef. And I've learned a lot from her in working together and just in hanging out. And we've done some baking together. And yeah, neither of us is working in the food industry but we both just really enjoy food so we're gonna talk about rhubarb yeah that sounds great it also feels like now we just have the fun part of food yeah (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) talking about it and eating it (laughs) exactly that's the best parts yes I think maybe it was a couple years ago you gave me a recipe from your mom for rhubarb cake and I made it and it was really delicious. So could you tell me more about that? Sure. Um, When my parents first moved into their house back in the 70s, there was a lone rhubarb plant in their backyard. And my mom decided she was going to make some cake. And I I don't know exactly where she found the base recipe, but basically went from there. And uh, it's like sour cream, brown sugar, and a whole lot of rhubarb. And so Mm -hmm. it's quite sweet. Um, but then the sourness and tartness of the rhubarb is like just brilliant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it really is like embodies the taste of rhubarb because there's so much in it and it's not, um, like you don't cook the rhubarb first or anything. It's you just mix all the cake ingredients together and bake it. And so you just get this really fresh and delicious rhubarb experience. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally. It's yeah. it, the brown sugar also is really nice because mm-hmm. as opposed to white sugar, I, I feel like it yeah. really enhances the flavor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yes, it's quite scrumptious. <laughs> and I feel like the sour cream as well is a really nice, like, even though the rhubarb's already tart, it kind of it doesn't the cake, even though it is a sweet cake, isn't overly sweet because you have the tartness from the rhubarb and the tartness from the sour cream. Yeah, it's really good. And the sour cream just makes it really moist and yeah, yeah. yummy. It's rich and so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I eat it yeah. for breakfast pretty much like every time. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, lunch and dinner. <laughs> um, so growing up, besides the cake, did you eat rhubarb other ways? Not really. It wasn't until I became an adult, I guess, that I started eating rhubarb more. And I've had it a lot of different ways, I guess. Like, um, 
in Sicily, there's um, amaros that are made out of rhubarb. Mm. Um, and I've had a shrub made out of rhubarb, which was really oh. good. Yeah. I do remember being a kid and thinking that um, rhubarb warheads would be really good. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. When I was a kid, we would, my uh, parents had a rhubarb uh, plant in their yard as well. And we would eat the rhubarb just raw with sugar on it. And I feel like that was pretty tart still because the sugar is just on the outside and it kind of wears off pretty quick. And then you just have this tart rhubarb. That's the closest I could come to eating a rhubarb warhead so far. But I do love sour candy. I feel like they should... They should invent a rhubarb warhead as their next flavor. I think so. You and I might be the only people buying it, but (laughs) (laughs) it's enough of a market. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, The other anecdote I love um, telling is that when I was in kindergarten, I had uh, a teacher, um, Mrs. Mahoney, who had a farm. And she had this old horse, and I guess one day it got into her rhubarb patch and ate a bunch of rhubarb um, and the leaves included. And Mm -hmm. the way I remember the story, which was like my five-year-old self, was that the horse then died. And I don't think it was that the horse died from the rhubarb. I think it was just an old horse. Um, (laughs) But I just remember (laughs) whenever my mom used to make her cake, thinking we were like, you know, dancing on the edge of danger by eating this rhubarb cake like maybe we we're gonna live and maybe we weren't but the cake was so good <laughs> that's awesome just, yeah I like the added element of danger just yeah. added, it added to the enjoyment yeah totally <laughs> it just made rhubarb like even more exciting and mysterious than it already yeah. was <laughs> yeah well I mean it's so I guess I mean the leaves are poisonous to a certain or at least I don't know if it's poisonous or toxic. They have oxalic acid in them, which is not good in large quantities. So, yeah, yeah I've definitely heard that you're not supposed to eat the leaves. Yeah. But I don't know what quantity you'd have to I eat think it's to like die. Nine pounds or something. Oh, wow. The leaves. Yeah, yeah. something like enormous that you're not going <laughs> to Maybe you a couldn't horse eat that could much. eat that much. Yeah. But like also, yeah, they're bigger. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> exactly but it's like an urban legend now that this horse died but I mean it could be it could have been the leaves or it it could have have just been an old horse I think it was an old horse (laughs) (laughs) that's great yeah yeah so also like one of the things I like but I know that this is could be controversial is strawberry rhubarb mixed (laughs) together (laughs) so how do you feel about that I actually, believe it or not, I don't think I've ever had it, which I know is like totally preposterous. Um, (laughs) But I think because when I was growing up, rhubarb came out first before strawberries. They just were never out at the same time. Yeah. Um, And so I, I never grew up with it. And then I think I just kind of became a rhubarb purist or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That sounds so weird. But <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, um, I don't need them together, I guess, is really what it came down to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just really love rhubarb so much that I don't like to dilute it, I guess. So how else have you prepared rhubarb? So, I mean, I love personally a strawberry rhubarb pie. Um, and I definitely appreciate 
the purest of the rhubarb flavor by itself because I do think it shines really well as a flavor on its own. Um, but I do love a strawberry rhubarb pie. Um, yeah, and the rhubarb definitely does come out earlier. But yeah, once you can get strawberries as well, it's I love that flavor combination also. And just, you know, a double crust pie with mm-hmm. the filling just of fruit and sugar and a little bit of flour to thicken it. And it's good to go. Sounds and so good. I actually was thinking... Maybe on pie day, you maybe brought me a strawberry rhubarb hand pie. It could have been. I don't it remember. Might have, I might have just lied. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what was in that pie, but I, I do remember I brought you a pie on pie day. You did. You and David stepped by and it was so wonderful and charming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and pie day is only one month away. So. <laughs> Yeah. Um, another way I like to eat rhubarb is just stew- stewed rhubarb, essentially, where you just add sugar to the rhubarb and just start cooking it. And then you don't need to add any water or anything. And it just the liquid from the rhubarb stalks comes out mm. and you get this really nice saucy rhubarb stuff that I like to just put on like pancakes or french toast or something kind of like instead of syrup and maybe add some whipped cream and it's Mm. delicious (laughs) yum (laughs) yeah do you add anything else to it like lemon or anything like that not usually i usually just go straight rhubarb and sugar (laughs) sometimes vanilla can be good Mm, that sounds yummy but yeah another thing i haven't made in a long time but i did make it once is called rhubarb fool have you Mm. heard of that I have. That's like an old New England style. I think. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I think I, so. Or, or I think English. it's such a funny name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think it's basically like a stewed rhubarb layered with whipped cream. Yeah. As far as yeah, I remember. Yeah. Oh, maybe and it's, it's not from New England, but I think it's, I've heard of it. it. Yeah, it's very old fashioned, I think. I mean, the yeah. name sounds old fashioned yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a very like light, like summery feeling dessert of just fruit and cream and light and airy that sounds so good I've definitely going back to New England style or English style I've had like um crisps and Mm. buckles and whatnot weird Mm -hmm. kind of old-fashioned old-timey crumbles with yeah with rhubarb and they're so good yeah yeah I mean I feel like it just goes so well with like any type of crust or like a biscuit or scone or something like that as well as anything super creamy yes totally great yeah the other thing that I've done which I would like to explore more of um is rhubarb and savory cooking Um, oh yeah and I think the dish that I made was Persian um but Mm -hmm. it was like uh stewed down um parsley and mint Mm-hmm. And I think there were beans in it. I kind of, I'm kind of blanking on what all was in it, but then you uh, top it with rhubarb and it cooks in the oven and the rhubarb just kind of um, melts a bit. And then mm. it's so tart amongst all of the herbs. It's really nice. That sounds really good. Does it yeah. have beans in it as well? I, I think so. I think it's like yeah. a white bean. Mm. Um, it's not a chickpea, but I think there's yeah. a white bean in it. Yeah. It's so good. That so, sounds really good. And yeah. like, 
I mean, it sounds unusual. Like I haven't ever had anything like that. So yeah, <laughs> maybe I should try it. Yeah. I think the other thing that would be good, maybe you have mentioned it before, but I think not as a meat eater, um, but pork chops or something like that with like mm-hmm. a rhubarb compote would be pretty yeah. tasty, I can imagine. Yeah, so. I feel like it would. Well, and I think um, the the dish that you were mentioning uh, is called Koresh Rivas. I'm I think, not yeah. sure if that's how you pronounce it, but... Um, and I think some versions have meat and some don't. But I feel like the bean version sounds really good, like really herby and satisfying with like these white beans and the rhubarb stewed in there. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, there are meat versions as well. Um, but that just sounds like a really either a side dish if for if like with some kind of meat or as a main dish for a vegetarian meal. Yeah. It was really good, and I definitely would explore more in the savory world with rhubarb because it's pretty tasty. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That cake that we were talking about is truly so delicious that everyone should make it as soon as possible or as soon as you can find rhubarb in stores. So here's the recipe. Amy Chakala's rhubarb cake. Four cups or about one pound of half inch diced rhubarb, half a cup of butter, one and a half cups or 300 grams of brown sugar, one large egg, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, two and three quarter cups or 300 grams of flour, one teaspoon of baking soda, one teaspoon of salt, and one cup of sour cream. To make the rhubarb cake, you'll first preheat the oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit and butter a 13 by 9 baking dish. For mixing the cake batter, you'll first cream the butter and sugar well. Then you'll add an egg and mix until combined. Then add the vanilla extract. In a separate bowl, mix the flour, salt, and baking soda together and then add it to the mixing bowl. Finally, fold in the rhubarb and sour cream. Spoon the batter into the baking dish and smooth it out. Then bake for 40 minutes. Next ingredient is also supported by Wild Coast Seafoods. This is a company that supplies the Boise area with Alaska seafood from small boats who practice sustainable, high-quality harvesting and processing methods that preserve the taste and texture of the seafood. Stay tuned on their seasonal offerings. Check out at Wild Coast Seafoods on Instagram or go to wildcoastseafoods.fish to learn more. Next, we'll hear from Jennifer Ott. An unexpected thing I enjoyed learning from her was the many non-culinary uses for rhubarb plants. Here we go. So today I'm talking with Jennifer Ott. Uh, She's the owner of My Time Gardens, um, which is a landscape design company. Wait, now that I just said that, maybe I'll let you introduce what my time gardens is. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I feel like I don't know enough about it to introduce you. I'll go ahead and let Jennifer tell you a little bit about my time gardens. Thank you, Mara. So uh, my time gardens is a landscape design install and maintenance company in Southeast Michigan. Um, our focus is definitely planting for pollinators and making sure to educate people about ways that we can 
garden sustainably and, you know, filling our spaces with lots of green living material. And so I'm so excited to talk about our topic today with the next ingredient. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much for talking with me today. I'm excited about rhubarb. And um, just to start off, I was wondering if you have a favorite memory of eating rhubarb or just rhubarb in general. It is funny that you should ask because I, I do have a very strong favorite memory. Um, rhubarb has always been a part of my life. I don't know if um, it was always at our property, but we had this huge veggie garden growing up and it was always in this one corner. And so growing up, we were able to just run and we would just grab things out of the garden. And so that is kind of my first memory of rhubarb is having a small little container of sugar and going out and grabbing our stock, fresh stock of rhubarb. And we would dip it in the sugar and munch on it, right? Just fresh out of the garden. So um, that's, that's, awesome. that's yeah. probably my favorite. <laughs> that's great. And it's funny because, yeah, I have a, a similar memory of eating just the raw rhubarb with dipping it in sugar. And it was a great treat as well. Um, yes. Yeah. So do you, like, you mentioned that obviously you would eat it when you were a kid and you had it all growing up. Um, once you became an adult and like were out on your own, did you still like have rhubarb plant in your yard or things like that? Yeah. So that again, interesting question and fun little tidbit is we were a military family. So we moved around mm -hmm. and there were a few things that for some reason I always felt like any property we lived on had to have and it had to have rhubarb so yes I always planted rhubarb um that's awesome one of the things we'll learn about you know a little bit later is you're not supposed to harvest it right away so you know with a military family a lot of times it's you know three to four years and then we're moving on so we mm -hmm. barely get it um you know to a spot where it was flourishing and and then off we'd go but um, kind of felt like that was like my little contribution to the world of making sure yeah. every little plot had <laughs> rhubarb. So <laughs> that's awesome. And like whoever moved there next was probably hopefully very yes. happy that they <laughs> had ready to eat rhubarb. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. So do you also use it in when you're designing landscapes? I love to design using any kind of a veggie or um, herbs in my, in my uh, traditional landscape. So the area that we live in, in Southeast Michigan is very much, you know, suburban areas where, mm -hmm. you know, you have a lot of open space, um, not a lot of the, the properties aren't very big. There's not a lot of tall growth around. So it's just mm -hmm. these, these subdivision development places and so, of course, for me, I am like always passionate about where the pollinator is going to have, you know, their sources. And so um, and then I love to make use of our spaces because we are so small, you know, with our green spaces. If it can be a veggie garden and a flower garden and herb garden all in one, I love that concept. So so for me as a designer, I don't hear from my clients like, oh, I want a veggie garden knowing that it has to be a separate entity. 
I'm mm-hmm. always educating if we can kind of make it all be one harmonious living things. And, you know, as we all know, the rhubarb, I mean, it's quite a statement piece when it's yes. developed. And, um, you know, it would be, I would say it would be comparable to some of those larger hostas. It's just a really nice foliage, especially when you can get those, you know, bright red stalks. It's just mm-hmm. quite a, quite a stunning piece. And so, um, you know, I feel like some of the downside of that is, you know, at a certain point of the season, it kind of melts away or, and so you don't have, you would maybe be left with a hole. And so then that's when we would be starting to talk about companion planting Mm. and what is companion planting and what would be, you know, something that we would encourage to plant next to it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I guess what is companion planting? (laughs) So I like to call companion planting like friends. So like, you know, it's a good, they play nice with each other. Sometimes Mm -hmm. um, specifically with the rhubarb, one of the things uh, they recommend with companion planting is like strawberries. So of course that's pretty Mm. fun because we love strawberries and rhubarb together and their season is kind of the similar and Mm -hmm. the strawberries grow this nice, ground cover mat what help which helps to reduce the weeds mm-hmm. and kind of keep those roots a little bit cooler and then you know the the leaves of the rhubarb kind of shade the strawberry so it's like this very nice little relationship that they have with each other and then again harvesting everything at the same time um yeah. the other method and thought process when designing is well again the strawberries are going to kind of peter out at a certain time and same thing with this rhubarb and so maybe you want to have something happening at an opposite time so you want to kind of Mm. alternate a season so again that's another way to to look at it when you're designing and so if that was the case then maybe I would be looking at like a um, ornamental grass or something that's a little bit more fall Mm -hmm. focused that would be coming up a little bit later when Mm -hmm. rhubarb isn't as productive or as visible in the garden with that, I guess, climate-wise, like, I grew up eating rhubarb in Alaska, which <laughs> is a different climate than Michigan. Yes. But it also thrives in the Midwestern climate. Very nice. Yes. And so a lot of times we have what we call growing zones, and that'll kind of tell you, you know, if your area is going to be able to, you know, support this plant material. And most times it has to do with the, the freezing temperatures, like the, the extreme heat and the extreme cold. Um, they are now starting to go into a heat zone. So that's kind of another way to look at it. But um, for the most part, most people are, are comfortable with the growing zones and uh, the rhubarb does well between that zoning, uh, growing zone three up Mm -hmm. to growing zone eight. Um, Unfortunately, if you live in the southern states of the U.S., most likely the rhubarb isn't going to thrive. It it doesn't like those really extreme heats. And that's kind of why we see it peter out for us in the heat of the summer. Mm -hmm. Is it true that it's one of the first or like an early late spring to early summer is when it's harvestable? Yes, for sure. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's, It's that early spring and Uh, definitely as they grow those earlier stalks are going to be more tender Mm. and then as they as they grow the stems harvested later in the season tend to be tougher Um, you'll tend to see that being more of that stringy texture Um, oftentimes they say for the 
for the early stems, um, that's really nice for your pies. And then the st stems late it, uh, harvested later would be better for um, stews, sauces, or jams. Okay. Yeah. Because I definitely have noticed that sometimes it's more of this, like more fibrous, I guess. Yes. And sometimes yes. it's like nice and more just softer and um, a nicer, a nicer texture for, yeah. Yes. Just fire. crunching on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so they say that a mature plant typically harvests, their harvest is about eight to 10 weeks long. I feel like it was one of those things that growing up was a lot of people had in their yard yes and people didn't really know some people wouldn't really know what to do with it and so occasionally someone would be like oh yeah just come over and take all the rhubarb you want and I was would be so excited yes yes <laughs> do you have a favorite way to prepare rhubarb like nowadays well um of course I've already mentioned strawberries and rhubarb mm -hmm. and so that's definitely a very nice pairing I love I love the strawberry rhubarb jam. I love the strawberry mm. rhubarb pies. Um, I One really interesting connection with Alaska is we also used to live up there. And I can remember going out to fish camp with some friends of ours. And she made this amazing rhubarb custard. And so that's Ooh. also kind of one of my things because out there, you know, it was a little bit, we didn't have access to the grocery just right away. And so mm -hmm. we had to store things a little bit, we had to be resourceful. And mm -hmm. so it was one of those things that I was just really surprised that we could do out there. And it was a really simple recipe. And so that one was super fun to have that. It was very novel out at Fish yeah. Camp to be able to have this lovely rhubarb custard. Yeah, that sounds delicious. And I don't think I've ever even, I've never had or made rhubarb custard so I think that's a recipe I might need to get yes for sure for sure yes but it's a lovely one another thing I wanted to ask you about was the leaves yes. of rhubarb because I mean the stalks obviously are the edible part um, but what about the leaves the leaves are very toxic but again nothing goes to waste for the gardener so the leaves are magic sauce for composting so they, they're big, they're green, they have lots of good, you know, energy in them and it's probably the nitrogen or whatever, but yeah, they, mm -hmm. they are amazing for, for a compost pile. And, and when you're first starting a compost pile, it's really important to kind of get it hot is one of the things mm -hmm. so that it gets, starts actually doing its work. And, um, those rhubarb leaves would definitely help with that. So yeah, they're, they're pretty good for composting. The other thing that a friend of mine does is she takes the really large leaves and she does this cement die cast thing on it. And she creates these lovely cement um, kind of like bowl shaped leaf mm -hmm. shapes that she can put in her garden. She'll use those for, you know, sprinkling some bird seed in or letting some water soak in there. And again, it's great for your pollinators um, and your birds to have a little bit of water on a hot day so yeah that sounds like also like a really beautiful addition oh, yeah they're, be they're beautiful they're gorgeous yeah and yeah. you could like if you wanted to stain them you can stain them but she most of the time she keeps hers pretty natural looking and they just mm -hmm. look they look lovely in the gardens so yeah because I mean I think even just the plant itself the huge leaves that kind of fan out yeah. and probably catch water they do is, you're so pretty yeah you're correct they have a little 
kind of like a little cup right there at their stem. And, mm-hmm. and you are right. They are a, a, a perfect source, again, for those pollinators. A lot of our, um, specifically like the bees or whatever, they need kind of like that shallow pl- place to get water. And uh. so that's, that's the perfect um, solution, you know, actually in those leaves. But then also, you know, if we are able to create spaces like that for them in mm-hmm. our gardens, other ways too. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that about that. They're also a plant that's very useful for pollinators. Yeah. So their, um, their flower stalk, of course, we don't like the flower stalk to happen because then that messes with the production, but maybe if you've collected enough, um, throughout the season and you're like, okay, I'm ready. That flower Mm -hmm. stalk is really pretty. It's very, um, I don't know, kind of Dr. Susie looking, I don't know. It's just Mm -hmm. kind of a fun, fun thing to see in the garden and um, something that we don't see a lot of. So I like seeing that Mm -hmm. flower stalk happen and I kind of let it happen toward the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing that was really interesting um, that I learned about that I did not know is that um, sometimes when they're actually growing rhubarb for production, they'll let it grow out in the, you know, natural light for Mm -hmm. a couple years and then they'll dig it up and they'll move it into kind of like these growing tents and they keep it dark but oh yeah I have heard of this have you heard of us but they (laughs) say that rhubarb forcing I think they call it or forced rhubarb yes yes yeah and so maybe that's what they would do for like if you're going to buy it at the store or whatever Mm -hmm. but the cool thing and so I'm going to encourage everybody to go rush out and listen now is you can hear the rhubarb grow yeah, because it grows really quickly in those conditions when it's in the dark. Correct. Is that, yeah. And yep. so you can kind of like it as it the stalks kind of unfurl. Yes. It you can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is really cool. Yeah, it's like a popping and a in the stalks rubbing together, like creaking mm-hmm. and I don't know, it's just kind of a cool little so it's yeah. kind of a fun fun little tidbit for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And I wonder if the growing it in that way makes it like have different properties than just regular rhubarb that's grown in the field yeah so it does it has um when it's growing that way it's you can use about 40 percent less sugar oh wow and and it tends to be not as um stringy Mm -hmm. so it's it's more tender less tart but definitely a lot more work as far as yeah not necessarily something that you could just do with your your yard rhubarb but maybe something large production right right if you had some space if you had some space Mm -hmm. it'd be kind of fun to do yeah (laughs) how would you describe the taste of rhubarb so i definitely would describe it you know very tart um it's like, I feel like it's one of the most tart tastes that I've ever had. Like when you mm-hmm. think of biting a lemon, yeah, you kind of have that pucker power. But I feel like rhubarb on a scale of one to 10 is like, you know, 10 times more pucker power than than the lemon. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it really, you can really feel it. You know how they tell you where your taste buds have the different areas that it feels like it'll feel sugar here and it'll feel you know the tartness here mm-hmm. um I can really feel that on my on my tongue the, yeah I feel like just... now that I'm 
thinking about it, I can almost taste it. <laughs> it is like my mouth is salivating. It's like watering. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a response. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's one of those things, at least when I've made like a rhubarb jam, like a lot of fruit jams, I will add um, a little bit of lemon juice or lemon mm. zest or something to kind of get a little bit of tartness. But I feel like with rhubarb, you don't necessarily no. need that because it's no. already got all the tartness it needs yeah yeah which is really good yeah jen mentioned that when forced rhubarb is growing you can hear the sound of the stalks moving and the leaves unfurling i found a recording online of just that and it's so fun to listen to the recording was made by duncan chapman in collaboration with tony wade for the 2020 wakefield rhubarb festival in yorkshire Duncan mentioned that the actual sounds you get in the sheds are massively sparse and often very, very quiet. So these are somewhat edited and make a beautiful listening experience. It's so cool to hear rhubarb plants growing. It makes me excited for spring, which actually isn't too far away. After talking with Jen about the rhubarb plant itself, I was inspired to learn more about the plant and its history. If you've ever grown or eaten rhubarb, you probably know that the stalks can vary greatly in color from a vibrant candy apple red to a rosy pink blush to a speckled salmon mixed with sagey green to a mostly green stalk that you could mistake for celery if you're not careful. The many different colors can indicate growing conditions, age at harvest, or the varietal that is grown. The name of the varietal sometimes indicates color or where it's originally from. Some of these names are crimson, valentine, cherry red, victoria, which is commonly used for the forced rhubarb, German wine, riverside giant, and McDonald. These varietals are common in the U.S. and the U.K. and are usually some hybrid of the Rheum raponticum or Rheum rhubarbarum species. There are many other species worldwide, and rhubarb is grown on every continent but Antarctica. The oldest recorded usage of rhubarb is in traditional Chinese medicine for its antibacterial and anti-inflammatory properties. In the culinary realm, it has been used since at least the 10th century, and became popular in Europe in the 19th century. I feel like my mind is now completely full of rhubarb stories, recipes, and facts, which is just how I want to feel after a Next Ingredient episode. Links for more information on some of the things we talked about can be found in the show notes. And check out our Instagram, at nextingredient.podcast, to see some original rhubarb art from Gail Klusterman Art that will tide you over until rhubarb is in season again. Thanks for listening. Next ingredient is supported by Gail Klusterman Art. This art is inspired by the discovery process we engage in when interacting with nature. 
Purchase of this art makes it possible to provide the Next Ingredient podcast as a free educational service to anyone who wants to listen to it. Supporting the podcast helps increase access to nutrition on the community level. View current projects at Gail Klusterman Art on Instagram to be a part of the process.